Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. This morning, we're going to talk about in everything give thanks. We're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to read this really long passage of scripture that's about that long. It's three short verses. The first verse has two words. The second verse has three words. And then the third verse has a few more. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. On January 3rd, 1982, Kathy yelled to wake me up. She was in labor. She shouldn't have been. It was four and a half months early. And uh, an ambulance took her to the hospital. She went through labor and delivery, and our baby died. That was an extremely difficult day. I had been a Christian on that day for five years, four months, and 24 days. But for the first time in my life, I felt like I couldn't trust God. I had left a career that I loved, in which I was excelling. I had uh, got a job that was, my first job out of the Marine Corps was making donuts in the graveyard shift. And it was just a, such a challenge to have left what I loved to do that. I was uh, preparing and training and studying to become a pastor, and uh, that required a lot of study, a lot of training, and a significant changing of my heart. And so I felt like I had sacrificed a lot. The personal growth trajectory I was on was pretty steep, and I had to really work at it. And I'd given up a lot, and this is how God treats those who do that. So I felt like God had not come through for us. I was frustrated. I was angry. I responded badly. I, I stopped trusting. I stopped praying. I stopped. I kept going through motions. But I wasn't really following the Lord. I was a Sunday school teacher, and I went ahead and taught my class the next week, but it was challenging. And uh, sometimes life hurts, and sometimes it really, really hurts. That's the nature of life on earth. So how can we possibly obey these commands? Rejoice always, in everything give thanks. How can we do it every day? Well, I want to take a closer look at it this morning. So, first of all, I want you to think about rejoice always, to experience gladness and joy at all times. It's translated in different translations as rejoice evermore, rejoice always, always rejoice, always be joyful, be joyful always. There are dozens of New Testament commands to rejoice, 
Someone said there's nearly 80 of them. If you take all the be joyful, be glad, be rejoicing, there's about 70, sorry. And there are hundreds of reasons to rejoice. And it's easy to rejoice when things are going well. It's also easy to rejoice when things are not going well if our attention's in the right place. We have to focus on the right things. Let me give you a little illustration of that. Suppose you're watching a football game. We do that in our house. Some people don't, but I don't think there'll be football in heaven, and that's fine. But, you know, we enjoy watching some football games. So let's say you're watching a football game, and your team is behind 35-3. to You're down 32 points. And are you rejoicing? Well, maybe. You see, what I didn't tell you is you're watching a rebroadcast of the game in which the Buffalo Bills came back from being down to Houston by 32 points and had the greatest come-from-behind victory in the history of football, and they won 41-38. to and, and so you've already seen the news. You, it's, it's been tweeted to you, texted to you. you. You've seen that your team comes from behind in the greatest victory ever. And so now you're watching the game and you're down by 32 points and you're smiling because you know what's coming, right? You know this is going to be awesome. You know this is going to be the greatest in history. You know that 30 years from now, people will still talk about that game. See, that's what it's like to be a Christian. We know the end of the story. We're in heaven with Jesus. Everything's great. No pain, no sorrow, no job loss, no difficulties. Everything's wonderful. That's the end. And we have to keep our eyes on the end. I used to run competitively, and coach would always tell us, don't look at the other runners, look at the finish line. And I saw even in the Olympics, some runners would turn and look at the other runners and a guy would pass or a lady would pass over here. If they just focused on the finish line, they could run their fastest. And that's what we need to do. Focus on the finish line. Every day you can rejoice that your name is written in heaven. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. Every day you can rejoice that your reward is in heaven. We looked at that last week. Every day you can rejoice that Jesus is preparing a home for you in heaven. Now, Jesus didn't need any help, but if he did need help, he was raised by a skilled carpenter, and he's building your home in heaven for you. Every day you can rejoice that he cannot fail. Your hope is secure in him. And you know that every day. So you can rejoice evermore. Rejoice always. The second verse, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, in getting people to understand that you don't just take 
the Bible as individual verses. One of the things you try and do is take the overall teaching of Scripture in order to understand things. And so if you only had two verses on prayer, and one of them was pray without ceasing, and the other was Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying, when you pray, go to your, into your closet and shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. And so if that's all you knew about prayer was you pray in a closet and you pray without ceasing, you would die in the closet. You just keep praying. And so we have to take the overall teaching of prayer. And pray without ceasing. The word ceasing actually comes from a Greek word meaning like a persistent cough, a hacking cough. Any of you ever experienced that? Uh, I'm not going to model it, okay, because then everybody will start doing it, and I will too. But you know what it's like. It just keeps coming back. And so you, you might feel like, oh, good, it hasn't happened for seven minutes, and then it starts up again. Okay, that's the word used that without ceasing. He's not saying always have your head bowed, your eyes closed, and be in prayer, especially not while you're driving, okay? Uh, but he is saying just have it keep coming up, keep coming up. Like that persistent cough, you're just continually praying. And you can pray to thank God, you can praise Him, you can appreciate Him. Genuine prayer is not something you do. Genuine prayer is a lifestyle. You talk to God. We live in a culture where people don't talk to each other so much. They talk at each other, but they don't always talk with each other. But pray without ceasing is to have this ongoing dialogue with God where you're talking to him and you're listening to him. So some of the things you're doing, you're, you're praising him. Tell me something you can praise God for today. <laughs> John's pointing at Anna. Anna, sorry. We got an Anna and an Anna. And yeah, and you can praise God. The sun came up. Technically, the sun didn't come up. The earth just kind of went, Yoop. Thankfully, not that fast. Uh, you know, if, if you're standing on the equator, you move at 24,000 miles a day. So that's pretty fast. But, but the, the earth rotated and the sun's there just like it was yesterday, just like it'll be tomorrow, although some days you can't see it, especially if you live in the Seattle, Washington area. But you can appreciate that God's, the beauty of his creation, you can praise him for that. Uh, so you can say, Thank you for the blessings in your life. How many of you have had food since noon yesterday? <laughs> Praise God for the blessings in your life. There's some people in the world who haven't had that. We're blessed. And so you can ask for things. Sometimes they're good things you ask for and God's pleased to give them. Sometimes we're a little selfish and we're praying for things that God knows won't be good for us. So he says, no, James talks about that in James chapter 4. And, and then sometimes you pray for others. You, you intercede for other people and you're praying for them. So you, you have all kinds of opportunities to pray. Um, if you're, I, I laugh at myself. I hate just catching a light, just turning red. And every time I make it through, like, praise the Lord, you know? Like, God has so blessed my life, I didn't have to sit for 32 seconds. Although the light at Purton, Florence is about a minute and a half. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just, we rejoice over the blessings that God brings in our life and just have this ongoing dialogue with God. 
In a way, that's how our human relationships are supposed to be. You know, Richard doesn't have to set an appointment to talk to Sue. Well, I guess he did while she was out of town. They had to arrange when they were going to call each other. But, but, you know, Richard can talk to Sue all the time. Sue can talk to Richard all the time. They just have this conversation. It, it, it comes up, and, and if Richard forgot to say something, that he's off in the other room. He's like, oh, I forgot. You know? He goes back, oh, there's one other thing. You know, And Sue's not like, dude, you made your quote. I don't think you are, are you, Sue? So, you made your quote, and you're done. No, no we're just re- a conversation, and that's how we're supposed to be with God. Just talking to him through the day, listening to him as we're talking to him, listening to him from Scripture, listening to the Holy Spirit. You have a relationship with God, and he wants you to talk to him and listen to him every day for the rest of your life, and not just your life on earth, for your life in eternity as well. A relationship with God. So have that conversation. Just pray without ceasing. Make it be part of your life. Talk to God. Now, we talk to God sometimes. You, know, you, you do it already. You, hey, where are my keys? God, please help me find my keys. i got to get to the doctor appointment or whatever it is. It's okay to pray about little things. It's okay to pray about big, huge things. God wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to communicate with him. So rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Have this ongoing dialogue with God. And then in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. It's easy to thank God for the good stuff. My older brother, Jim, hates fish. We had dinner with him just the other day. He and his wife stopped in here in town, and, and Kathy and I, they came to our house. We had lunch together. It was a nice visit. And, and he was reminding how he hates fish. Well, in my family, growing up, we had fish, not every Friday, but, we, you know, we had fish sometimes. Mom was a fairly gourmet cook. She made all kinds of stuff. But Mom's fish was just not all that great. Um, and it was always breaded fried halibut. And, you know, grilled salmon would have been so much better. But that's what mom liked, and that's what we always had. And my brother hated fish. So guess who my dad asked to pray every time we had fish? Jim, would you pray for us? It's really hard to thank God for the food when you know you're going to hate the food, right? But he could have thanked God that we had food. Some people don't. He could have thanked God that we didn't have to eat this very often, although that might have got him in trouble with that. He could have thanked God for the vegetables, you know? There's things you can do to thank God in the middle of the difficulties of life. And so he could thank God in everything. It doesn't say for everything. The sun, or, uh, or baby died on a Sunday morning. The very next Sunday, I was in church. Somebody came up to me and he said, Someday you will thank God that your baby died because God will do some better thing in your life. 
That's not what the Bible says. You know, I wasn't that long out of the Marine Corps at that point. It was really hard. I had to shove my hands in my pockets to keep from punching them. God never says, give thanks when you go through tragedy. Give thanks when your heart is broken. He never said, give thanks because of the tragedy or give thanks because of the heartache. He said, give thanks in it. In it. So we can learn to give thanks in everything. So I'm going to give you a, a couple of ideas to think about to give thanks even in these. Give thanks when someone has hurt you. When someone has hurt you. So let's just say that someone has hurt you. So how are you going to give thanks? You can say, God, thank you that even in this, Jesus modeled the way for me. He was hurt emotionally by the religious leaders, even by his own family. He was hurt physically when they spit on him and beat him and crucified him. He was hurt spiritually when he took our punishment in his body on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins. So, uh, and, and then even in his death, he forgave and he prayed for those who spit on him and those who through spite pushed him toward the cross and, and those who mocked him in his humiliation. And he's, we can say, thank you that Jesus modeled what he has called me to do, to love my enemies, to show kindness to those who are hateful toward me, to pray for them. Thank you that you show me the way to direct my attention away from my personal pain and, and to seek to show your love to the people that you care about, the very people who hurt me. And thank you, you will give me the strength to do it. See, even when someone has hurt you, you can think of reasons to give thanks. By the way, the more you know of the Word of God, the easier it is to give thanks in the difficult times. Because you have lots of biblical examples from Jesus and Paul and others. You can also give thanks when you have been rejected. Now, some rejections are a little more difficult than others. You apply for a job, you don't get it, somebody else gets it. That's, that's a rejection of sorts. Um, but it's not a big, huge rejection. But some rejections are big. Some rejections are when somebody walks away from your marriage. They've rejected you, and that's a big, huge, hurtful rejection. So how can you give thanks when you have been rejected by another human being? Well, you can thank God that Jesus endured rejection exactly like this when he was on the earth. Before his resurrection, his brothers rejected him. The Bible doesn't specifically say his sisters, but it's probably the sisters did too. His half-siblings, the children of Joseph and Mary, they rejected him. Religious leaders rejected him, even some of his closest disciples. So you can say, thank you that Jesus understands what I'm going through. 
Thank you that I'm not going through it alone. Thank you that heartache on earth is temporary because Jesus rose from the grave and we have victory over sin and suffering and death. Thank you that I have a home in heaven and I will not have to endure this forever. See, even when you have been rejected, in that you can give thanks. What about when you are suffering pain? You're in pain and you're physically suffering. Well, you know, it's interesting in the book of Job, when Job lost all of his possessions, all the material possessions, and he even lost his kids, that all of his kids died, Job trusts God completely. And Job says, Blessed be the Lord, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then God allowed Satan to attack Job's body. And he was covered with boils all over, huge, painful sores. And, and Job finally started questioning what God was doing. Because the physical suffering, the more intense your pain, the more difficult it is to give thanks in it. All you can do is feel the pain. But even in that, you can. You can say, God, I thank you that Jesus truly understands physical pain. The physical suffering he endured is way bigger than your physical pain. He understands. And thank you that your strength shows up in my weakness, as Paul told the church in Corinth. That when we are weak, then God's strength shows up. He gives us the capacity to go beyond. Thank you that my pain is temporary. There'll be no pain or sorrow in heaven. Thank you that no matter how bad it gets, you will never leave me nor forsake me. Even in the midst of your pain, the physical suffering, you can give thanks. You can give thanks in it when you have suffered great loss. When you have suffered great loss. You know, I have stood at the graveside way too many times in my life. It's one of the burdens of being a pastor is even when people who are not part of this community of faith, they die they often ask me to participate in a memorial service and so um, I did recently up in Sholo for my brother-in-law and in Tucson for a lifelong friend and you know it's just really hard to say goodbye to people you love I've been with some of you when your spouse died in the hospital or at home, and, and it's a heartache. How, how do you get beyond this loss? Well, how can you give thanks in it? You can't give thanks for it. That person who told me that was wrong. That person who said someday I would thank God my baby died, they're wrong. Every year, the 1st of January, Kathy and I are fully aware of the loss. We, I believe, will see this child in heaven, like David said, when his child died, I'll go to see him. I believe we'll see him. But we never got to enjoy it, and it was a heartache and a loss. 
You could have the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, the loss of a dream. I know a lady was in a very, very difficult marriage. And then her husband died. He was hit by a car and died. And, and she told me, you know, I thought that if he died, my life would be easier because my marriage was so difficult. But now I'm grieving so badly for the loss. And I said, you didn't just lose a marriage, you lost the dream, the hope that it could be what it was when you first got married, that you lost the dream that things would get better, the dream, and the loss of a dream is a big loss. And so you can still thank God because God totally understands how you feel. The Bible tells us God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve heard God's voice and they hid because they had rejected him, because they had sinned. And God saw his perfect creation get corrupted by sin. He'll restore it someday, the new heaven, the new earth. God has the capacity to do that. But God knows what it feels like to have hurts and losses. And you can say, thank you that you will never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that someday I will live with you. Thank you that you are my heavenly father and I am your child and will be forever. Even when you have suffered great loss. But, but what about when you have sinned? Anybody in here that's sinned, you know, in the last five years or so, right? Yeah, you know, probably we've sinned way more often than that. How can we ever give God thanks when we have sinned in that? Well, you, you could say something like, God, I'm really embarrassed to be here again. Especially if it's a sin you thought you got beyond, or you're hoping to get beyond, and it keeps coming back, and then like, here I am again. I'm embarrassed to be here, begging for forgiveness. But then you could say, I thank you that you forgive. What did um, John say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you can say, I thank you that you have forgiven me and that you will forgive me. I thank you that Jesus paid the penalty for each of my sins. The penalty was paid in full on the cross. You can say, I thank you that even though I have been disobedient, I'm still your child. You know, in, in the, there's a great need for foster parenting in our culture. There's some parents who uh, would like to keep their kids, but they're actually creating an environment that's hazardous for the kids, and the state sometimes has to sever parental rights and then seek to get the kids in a safer environment. But there's also parents who just give it up. There's parents who drop their kids off and say, I'm signing away my parental rights. I don't want this kid anymore. 
Aren't you glad your Heavenly Father is not like that? He will never say, I am so sick of you, you're out of here. He will say, I'm sick of your behavior, but I still love you and I care about you. So you can give thanks that you are still his child. You can give thanks that even though you have failed him, he will not fail you. You can give thanks that, that even though you feel broken, he will give you the strength to serve him again. To get back up, to get beyond. And, and you can thank him that his grace covers all your sin. That his mercy is more. We love to sing that song. That your pardon is confirmed and that his love is steadfast and sure. You can give thanks in everything. And then he says in verse 18, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's two parts to that. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. First of all, it is God's will that you give thanks. That's God's plan for you. He wants you to be grateful people. He wants you to be thankful people. He wants you to be giving thanks. How many of you parents had to teach your little kids to say thanks? How many of you ever had to say, my child can't get that from you because they won't say thanks? Anybody ever have to do that? Uh, we did. Uh, and, and then they, because they wouldn't say thank you, they lost it. And then sometimes the person giving it, wanting to give it to the kid, they try and undermine the parents and say, oh, just let them have it. It's a fine. They don't have to say thank you. Well, the parents say, oh, yes, they do. They have to learn how to say thank you. God wants his kids to learn how to say thank you. Psalm says, the psalm says, that God daily loads us with benefits because he's the God of our salvation. So every day you need to give thanks. Every day you need to look for things to give thanks. You need to be grateful every day. You can start a gratitude journal and write something down every day. You look for ways to say thanks in everything, not for everything, in everything. I have never known a person who got a cancer diagnosis, whether it's a little one or a big one, that said, oh, thank you, God, that I have this problem. But I've known lots of Christians who've had cancer issues and had opportunities to witness to nurses and doctors and, and medical techs in the hospital because of their cancer. God put them in the way to witness to other people. And you can give thanks in that, even when you cannot give thanks for that. It's God's will that you give thanks. When you are pouting or fussing or grumbling, you're not obeying God. You are sinning against God. God wants you to rejoice in him, even give thanks in every circumstance, because he's still God and he's still with you. The second part of this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you is that in God's will, you go through these difficult circumstances. It is God's will that you go through this. Now, we're over here, and we're looking forward, right? 
We're looking forward in our life. What do you think we want to see as we look forward in life? I heard noise, but I couldn't hear words. You, you want to see, you, you want kind of comfortable, right? How many of you own a recliner chair, right? And you like that comfort. You know, some countries in the world, they don't even know what a recliner chair is. And yet we're kind of fussy about what our recliner chair is like. Kathy bought the weirdest recliner chair. I sat down in that chair and I'm like, this is too small. She said, it's for me. <laughs> we, we want comfort. For the first time in our marriage, I have a recliner chair, she has a recliner chair. We sit and watch football together sometimes. And so you, you want, we want comfort. We, we want a relative ease. We want relative prosperity. Actually, we probably wouldn't mind if it was excessive prosperity, right? But we, but we want this. And so we look ahead and we're thinking good stuff, right? Whether it's medical or financial or, you, you know, you buy a car and you do not want that thing they call a lemon. You want the one they call, wow, it's amazing that car has lasted so long, right? That's what, when you buy a car, when, when you buy clothes, you get your favorite shirt. You love that shirt. By the time it's favored, it's already three quarters worn out, right? But, but you want it to last forever. And so you're looking for relative ease, but God's looking down from heaven. And God is looking at long-term benefit of his plan on earth. And he's looking at your personal growth. All right, be honest. How many of you men laughed when your kids fell down when they were learning to walk? How many of you men? Yeah. All right. How many of you ladies thought it was funny that your husband laughed? None, right? Okay, you know what? If you protect your child so they never fall down, so they never get a skin knee, that child will never learn to walk. When they're 15, you'll still be carrying them to school and sitting them down in their chair because they haven't learned to walk. And so God's looking down from heaven and God's saying, you know, I know they're not going to like this, but I'm going to allow this because I see what's coming down the road and going through that will prepare them for this thing and going through that will increase their dependence on God and their Christ-like behavior. And so God says, I know what's coming. That's one of the problems with being a teenager. You think you have the answers, but you don't. And so your parents who are in their 30s or 40s, you think they're a little dumb because they just don't get it. But they're looking back through years of experience and they know if you do that, you're really going to get it. So God looks down and God says, no. And God says, yes, to things we wish he'd said no. And he says, no, to things we wish he'd say yes. 
But he's sovereign and he sees everything and he knows what's best. So God not only wants you to go through those difficult circumstances, here's a big important thing. He goes through them with you. God doesn't say, yeah, you know, go out there. It's going to mess with your mind. You're going to be emotionally distraught. But don't worry, I'll come back around and I'll get involved again. He goes through it with you. So you can learn in everything, give thanks. You can learn that. Someday you'll look back on your difficult days and you will see the hand of God protecting you from what could have been so much worse, but also guiding and guarding and directing you so that the most baffling circumstances of life, you'll be able to look back on them and say, I saw my Father's hand protecting me, guiding me, growing me. You may not see it in this life, but you will see it in heaven. Joseph could look back on the hatred of his brothers. He could remember being down in the pit and calling out to them, please let me out. Please, he probably yelled till he lost his voice, begging and pleading to get out. And when they finally let him out, what did they do? They sold him into slavery. Now, normally when you were sold into a slave caravan like that, you were either chained, one or both of your hands chained to something, or a rope tying you to something. And then he had to walk between 250 and 400 miles from where his brother sold him to be down in Egypt. And then he was sold as a slave, maybe on an auction block. Can't believe that our country used to do that. But on an auction block, Joseph might have been sold. He, he had people come out and they looked and, you know, they, they picked Joseph and they put him to work. And, and then Joseph is prospering. He's doing better. Things are great. The guy he works for actually loves him. In fact, the guy loves Joseph so much, Joseph's no longer a slave. He has put Joseph in charge of everything. So Joseph is the general manager of that entire operation. And then the guy's wife lies about Joseph, and now Joseph's in prison. So it started out in a pit, and then in a slave trade, and then as a slave, finally making some headway, finally making progress in his life, and now he's in prison. And in prison, he is forgotten. And he's there for years. Joseph was tearfully reunited with his brothers when he was 39. He was a 17-year-old pampered son of a rich landowner when he got sold into slavery. 22 years later, at the age of 39, he greets his brothers again and restores them and takes care of them. Joseph's father, Jacob, died when Joseph was 56 years old. And Joseph could say, he could look back on his life and all the hardships from his teenage years to his senior years, and he could say to his brothers, you were unkind. 
You did evil, but God used it for good in my life. God planned it. God meant it. God used it for a purpose to bring about good in Joseph's life and in Joseph's world. And he learned to give thanks in everything. The Apostle Paul said he did that too. He told the believers in Philippi that he learned in whatever circumstance to be content, to give thanks, to trust God. And he even said the very things that happened that seemed the worst to me, the imprisonment, the beating, the shit, all those things that seemed very difficult, they happened to the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel message has spread because of the difficulties. 1982 started out as a rough year for us. On January 3rd, we lost our first child. We prayed for a baby, God had provided, we were joyful, we were excited. The year started out badly. It ended up better, December 18th, 1982, same year, we had a daughter named Jessica. And I remember holding Jessica for the first time. She was born with blonde hair. A lot of kids, their hair, they're born bald and then they get blonde hair. She was born with a head full of blonde hair. All the nurses wanted to just touch her hair. They'd never seen anything like that. I remember holding this little girl and the thought went through my head that God, if that first baby had lived, this girl would not be here. Because he would have been born in May and we couldn't have had her in December. And you see the hand of God walking with you through your trials. Your suffering actually draws you closer to God. They, they even say about trees, trees that do not get wind and they don't grow strong roots. You have to be anchored Trees have to be anchored. Gazebos have to be anchored too. Ours was, but not well enough. 80 mile an hour wind destroyed our gazebo. But, but your life needs to be anchored. And, and you find out how well anchored it is when the storms of life come. But in everything, you can give thanks. Look for ways to give thanks. We prefer the good days, right? We prefer the, the um, promotions. We prefer that uh, you're, you're going to sell your house and buy a new house, and you sell your house for way above market value, and you buy the new house for way below market value, and it doesn't need any repairs, right? That, that's, that's what we'd like. But God has other plans for our lives. And in the midst of the stresses and difficulties, what God wants to see is a grateful heart. God wants to see you give thanks. Not necessarily for this, but in this. You're looking toward the finish line. You're looking toward the end of the game. You're looking toward life in heaven, and you give thanks that no matter what you're going through, you are going through. You're not going to live there forever.
because God will take you home to be with him. Now that's only true if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Solomon said many years ago, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. See, right now, when you're born on earth, you're born into a world of trouble and turmoil. And in fact, sometimes, I don't know if they still do it, but when I was born, they'd smack the baby. Although my brother said I was so ugly when I was born, they smacked my mama. Uh, but, but you know, you, you enter life in a world of pain. But when you die in the Lord, you go to a world that's free from pain and suffering and sorrow. So the day of one's death for those who know Christ and those who follow the Lord, the day of one's death is better. It doesn't mean we need to rush about and try and find it. In fact, if you decide you're tired of life and you're going to end your life, suicide is a sin. God's in charge of your life and death. But what it does mean is that when you go, it's going to be better than here. Far better. And we can trust him knowing what's coming. Give thanks in everything. No matter what, give thanks. But if you have not trusted Christ, the day of your death is the worst day of your life. The Bible calls it going to a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. Those are the very words of Jesus Christ. The day of your death is the worst day of your life if you do not know Christ. So if you're here today and you have never trusted Christ, asked him to forgive your sins and be your savior, let us show you how from God's word you can know Christ. Then today could be the second best day of your life. The best day will be when you go to be with the Lord. The second best day is the day you trust the Lord as your Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. Thank you that through the dark days that you've allowed in my life, I've been able to draw closer to you. You have showed me blessings in the midst of the difficulties. And I thank you that even when we cannot thank you for what we're going through, we can thank you in it because you provide so many other ways in which we are blessed. I pray that you would be honored and glorified by gratitude in our hearts. And may we trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.